Hello and welcome back or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy, coming at play therapy from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to chat about parents and family sessions. Obviously, when we see children, a big part of children's treatment is working with families and talking to families and conceptualizing what we do for the parents or the caregivers that we see who bring in these children. Depending on where you work, it's very difficult to have a therapeutic relationship with a child without having a solid working relationship with the parents. And I think that as child therapists, many of us can agree that the issues that children are struggling with and the reasons why they're coming into therapy can often be things that are have happened to them in their lives outside of their homes. Uh, there's a podcast I did called The Therapeutic Situation of the Child that dives into some of the common situations by which we see children in therapy. But many times when we're working with families, we're addressing something that has come up inside of the family system and the child has simply been labeled as the identified patient for whatever it is that is happening inside of these families. And so working with parents then is very important, and there's a variety of ways by which we can do that. We can have sessions where we just meet with the parents, and those are an important piece of the treatment that I personally do with children. And the goals of those sessions could be numerous. It could be us gathering information about the child that we're seeing and about the situation that is happening inside of the family system. It could be working with the parents on issues that they're having with parenting and troubleshooting different situations that they find themselves in with their children and identifying different structures that could be changed, different sorts of responses that the parents could give in order to facilitate a healthier and more fluid family system. We could do family sessions where we have the child and the parents in there together. And those sessions could be talk therapy sessions, which often is not meeting the child where they're at in any sense. But those sessions could be done to address a particular thing. It could not be talk therapy when we have family members and the child in session together, those sessions could be play sessions, and that play could be directed by us, it could be non-directed play, and the goal of that would be to have a level of healing and interaction and connectivity between the child and the parents to address perhaps attachment issues, to address different emotions that have been bubbling up for either the parents or the child that have gotten in the way of them connecting the way that they would like to. And that's all to say that there is a variety of different ways that we can go about treating a family system. For me personally, with most of the children that I see, I see the children individually, and then I see the parents without the child, and I separate the two perhaps more than I should. But I do that separation because I don't find talk therapy to be very productive with a number of the children that I see and can find those sessions to begin to have a flavor of the parents are trying to talk to the child about X thing, unless the child has brought something up that they want to talk to the parents about, but that's pretty rare. Um, So the parents would then maybe see the child as being avoidant 
of talking about this thing, and then that session doesn't feel very respective respectful, rather, of the child and where they're at and what they need and what they want out of their time with us. And it doesn't feel particularly helpful to dive into, say, which one of those structures is better, right? Like, is it better to see the child individually? Is it better to see the parents with the child? Is it better to have that be play? Is it better to have it be talk? Is it better to direct the play or not direct the play? That's all individual to the child that we're seeing and to the situation that we've been presented with as clinicians and as play therapists. But there are other issues besides how we structure our treatment in regard to parents that are also worth talking about. I was reading a book by R.D. Lang recently called The Politics of the Family, and I think that he's very wise regarding family systems, and he can have a reputation that's built around sort of other beliefs of his and treatment that he did, which I don't feel like diving into. But in the book, he talks about how he compares children and people He's more talking about people than he is about children. He worked with adults. But he compares the situation by which people are made to sausages. (laughs) And he says that, you know, people can like sausages or not like sausages, but no one wants to put a whole lot of thought into how a sausage or a hot dog or whatever is created, that it's a dirty, messy process, and it's not, you know, doesn't feel good to think about everything that went into that sausage being made. And he makes that comparison to people as well. And regardless of where you fall on the nature-nurture perspective or how you believe that mental illness and emotional difficulties come to be inside of a person, it can be very difficult to talk about how a person gets made. It can be difficult to talk about the families and schools and institutions that mold our children, that shape their experience, that create their values, that, you know, these places that they inhabit and these systems that they inhabit and these relationships that they have create who they are as a person. But that's a hard thing to talk about without getting defensive if you're someone who is You know, if you have a child and your child is having difficulties, it's difficult to talk about why that might be, to have an open mind about your family system and yourself, to trace back in yourself how you got to be the person that you are and how you got to be the parent or the caregiver that you are, and then to take an honest and objective and non-reactive look at how your child got to be in the place that they're in. And that, that's my personal goal when I'm working with a family. I want to be able to reach that place of them being non-reactive to that sort of exploration of themselves and their child and their family system. But that can be hard to do. It often has to be done with a lot of love. Like, I don't personally have any sort of judgment or vitriol towards parents or adults who are part of these systems. They existed in systems themselves. In the same R.D. Lang book, The Politics of the Family, he talks about how he was asked to do an assessment for this teenager to see what was going wrong with this teenager. And he decided that the best way to go about doing that would be to go to their house and spend time with 
them over a period, I think he said, of like two and a half hours, where he interviewed different members of the family, where he observed, and he got to see what their home is like and what their home feels like. And in this situation where he's trying to assess this teenager to see what's going wrong, he is talking to the mother, and he asks the mother, let's call this teenager Josh. He asks the mother who Josh takes after as a person. And lots of families, people will say things like, oh, so-and-so is like so-and-so, who is like so-and-so. Like, we can, we can imprint different people from the past onto children in the present. That's something that's done fairly frequently. And the mom in this scenario says that, oh, Josh is like me. Josh is like me when I was a kid. And so then Lang asks, okay, well then, what's the problem from your perspective? Like you are similar people, you understand what the problem is. And the mom says that, well, he doesn't listen. He doesn't do anything I do that I ask him to do. He's very stubborn. And so Lang says, okay, so... What did your parents do when you acted like that? And the mom says, well, my mom says that I took after my dad. And when I used to get stubborn like that, because he would get stubborn like that, he would go out all the time and not tell her where he was going. She would beat me, and I didn't do it anymore. So we have a scenario here, and I don't think that this sort of scenario is unique to the family that's described in Lang's book, where we have a son, Josh, who is said to be like his mother. She is said to be like her father. And when she acted the way that Josh acts, she was beat by her mother. And fortunately, as a society, we have moved away from it being okay to beat children. It used to be much more okay than it is now. We have come to an understanding that being violent with someone is not appropriate, and it's not okay, and it's not respectful, and it's not loving, and it's damaging. We understand that now, and we didn't, uh, people either didn't used to understand that, or didn't care, or avoided that understanding. Regardless, as a race of people, the human race, we have made some gains in that regard, and we have evolved in our understanding and respect of children's emotions, which is pretty cool. But I shared that story to say that both it's important to have empathy for the parents in these situations to realize if we're feeling frustrated with them about a particular thing that we wish they were doing differently. Because these sorts of things, and by these sorts of things, I mean whatever behavior Josh is exhibiting in his family, which is the same as the mom exhibited in her family, which is maybe similar to how the dad was as a kid, can go back a long period of time. And we don't often have a sense of how far back it goes. We are very lucky if we're able to work with children, parents, and grandparents. That's just three generations. But issues in a family system could go back much farther than that. Who knows how far back that goes back in Josh's family. It's possible that his grandfather took after another person in his family, and what that family had been doing for a long period of time is simply beating their children who acted that way, which we can say perpetuated the cycle inside of the family, that this thing hasn't died. This whatever it is that's causing issues in the family hasn't died. It's just been beaten into submission and At least this mom, Josh's mom, in this scenario, which I'm probably taking on too long, but I think hopefully it's helpful. 
This mom is not beating Josh, right? She's, she's going for something different. She's entering into treatment for Josh. And Josh is still seen as the problem, right? And in this family, he has still been identified as the person with a struggle, even though maybe we could say that this is a struggle that lots of people in the family have had over a long period of time. But I think it's naive of us at times also to believe that we ever truly know what's going on inside of a family, that we ever truly know what a magic solution to a particular problem in a family might be. And there's a lot of places where we can fall into traps when we're working with a family. We could believe that the solution to something is relatively simple and wish that that thing would happen and explain that thing to the child if you're being directive and explain that thing to the parents and then hope that that all translates into the child being, I don't know, better, more whole, less mentally ill. We can also get into a trap of blaming the parents for what's going on and feeling frustration with the parents for not doing things differently, but that's also missing the point if we think that it's simply that simple. They're like, oh, if this parent was just a little bit nicer, or oh, if they were just a little bit more respectful of their child's emotions and made more space for them, that things would be better, and they just won't do that. Which isn't to say that some of those things aren't true. That there can be small things that we do and say, and that we say to parents, that can help shift the dynamics that they have with their children, especially in specific situations that could help the family system run more smoothly. That's true. But that doesn't mean that we have an understanding of what's going on. It just means that we've provided one helpful thing for one particular kind of situation. But some of these dynamics that exist in families have existed for a long time. And they can be dynamics that no one, including us, has an accurate understanding of. So when I'm working with a family individually, or parents or adults in a family system individually, I could be doing one of a few things. I could be doing what we just named, which is giving some of those specific, concrete, helpful suggestions or things to say that might assist the family in being able to be more efficient and do the things they need to do and to be able to move through their day without people getting too upset. Some of those things might also be ways to build attachment and connection between the adults and the children in the environment. That's one thing. Another thing that could be done in those sessions, and this is only if you have a sense a clear sense that a family is able to participate in this kind of discussion is to look at the family system as a whole, to look at the different dynamics in the family system, to look at perhaps how things were for the parents when they were children, to get them in touch with the child that they once were, to the pain they experienced as a child, to maybe for those parents take their parents, so the grandparents of the clients that we're seeing off of the pedestal that they put them on, and just to have a realistic sense of their own likes, dislikes, and preferences when they were children. To not fall into a place of saying, well, everything that happened in my childhood was for my own good. But that's a really difficult thing to do with anyone, with anyone. And no one can be forced to take that stance or do that kind of exploration. If you have placed your parents on a pedestal as beings who are, say, better than other beings in the world, who you have to be honoring of and respectful of at all times and can't have any negative feelings about, 
then you're not going to be able to engage in that kind of a conversation. And then that, that kind of conversation is not a very good use of our time. And then to be totally frank, those are parents that I might end up seeing less frequently. Could still see them to be able to provide some of those more concrete kinds of things that we were talking about. Could do other things even like give them a place to vent, to build empathy where with their child where there seems to be space for that to allow them just to be able to think about the current situation. But it can feel to me like there can be a block there sometimes if we're not exploring things further back inside of the family system for these parents and going at where they got their values and their ideas and their opinions about what's happening inside of their family. But it doesn't mean that no work can be done. Work can still be done. And I'm not as good at it. And I think my concern with children in doing child-centered play can be more focused on allowing them to individuate as people, to take ownership of their feelings and their preferences. But there are people who do what seems to be fantastic work, doing family sessions with attachment-based things, people who do like theraplay, reading people like Eliana Gill is very moving to me and inspires me to add to my own skill set in that regard. And that would be something that's more immediate, that's more in the moment, that's less conceptual, that's less trying to reach back generations into the family system, because maybe that's a waste of time, because these things have been living inside of a family forever. But I don't believe that you have to reach back three, four, five, six, seven generations to be able to uproot something that has existed in your family system for a long time. Some people would say that that would just mean that Uh, you know, genetics or whatever, right? That a family has just been suffering from these things for a while because everyone's got something wrong with their brains and their chemicals and whatnot. It's like the neuroscience people who are into diagnoses would say things like that. I don't fall into that boat. I believe that a way of relating and a way of parenting and a value system and emotional experiences can exist in a family system without necessarily something being implanted in a genetic code or implanted inside of someone's brain. And maybe I feel that way because when I think about if something is just in someone's code or in their brain, then it's just like, ah, we're just managing systems. There's no hope for this. I I do believe and feel like I have seen people liberate themselves from unhealthy dynamics. Families can liberate themselves from unhealthy dynamics. And I wanted to do this podcast with this topic because I think that that's, that's a goal for us to keep in mind and a goal for us to keep our eyes on. If we're just trying to manage symptoms, if we're just trying to put structures in place, if we're just trying to help a family function, it feels like we're missing the opportunity to do something much greater, which is allowing a family or allowing a child to be connected to their reality and to themselves, to be respectful of their experience, to get in touch with their values, to become their own person or their own family that's liberated from the inherited struggles of previous generations, that's liberated from the inherited traumas of previous generations. And we have to be dynamic and flexible. It's we don't 
choose the people that we work with. Some people are ready for that kind of work, some aren't. If you're focused on helping a child individuate, you can do that individually. You do not have to see the family by any means. A child benefits from therapy regardless of how involved or not involved their family is, but I think that many of us as child therapists would agree that having the family involved is helpful in many ways. And I think I can have a fear when I talk about parents based on my perspective that this topic can be touchy. Like I said, we don't like to talk about how the sausage is made. I can be afraid that it comes off like I'm some sort of parent hater or something, and I'm not. I do believe everyone's trying, and that everyone cares, and that we all have experiences and repressed emotions and learn ways of relating that get in the way of us being ourselves and us being the people that we can be. And that's true for children, that's true for parents, that's true for grandparents, that's true for great-grandparents, that's true for literally everyone, everywhere, all the time. And just because it's uncomfortable to talk about how people are made, it's still something that is important for us to do if we have hope of becoming the people that we can be. And that's a lot of conceptualizing And that's a lot of stuff that's maybe separated from child-centered play and separate from what we do in our sessions when we're just with children. Keeping any of that in mind while we're with children in session doesn't feel particularly helpful to that child, but it is helpful to think about when we're talking to the parents and to tread lightly and to tread with respect because if we're asking someone to take a hard look at themselves and a hard look at their child, and a hard look at the way they were when they were children, we're asking them potentially to do something that they might have never done before, and that they've never been asked to do before. Possibly something that they've never even considered doing before. And to have any hope of being able to get to that place with a person, we have to do it slowly, and we have to do it with love, and we have to do it holding compassion and empathy in our hearts as we go about it. That it's a road we can walk with them and they can, they can be defensive and they can be angry and they can be sad and they can be however they want to be. Just like the children we have in sessions, they can be however they want to be or however they need to be. And it's not a failure if someone's not able to walk that road. But again, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have it as a goal for our time with families. And that's all I've got. For this episode of Playtime, uh, thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact me for any sort of reason, please feel free to do so. I, I love hearing from people. Uh, my email is barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. That's my last name, barnett, B-A-R-N-E-T-T, childtherapy at gmail.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, all of that good stuff. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Thank you.